we welcome into the program Mike Casaza from uh, West Virginia's 247 Sports. Mike, good morning. Thanks for your time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning to you. Let's uh, let's dive in. What is what is the what is the number one goal this spring for for Neil Brown, and what is he trying to get done? I would say prior to yesterday, it was you know identify a quarterback. They don't have one right now. They have three that have little to no experience. But after yesterday, it might just be have enough players to field a team because they have been hit extremely hard by the transfer portal. Um, quantity and quality of players, and, and it's added up. And then yesterday, maybe their best defensive player, um, really out of the blue, surprised them and decided to transfer. And just uh, a bedrock of their defense, uh, Akeem Mesidor, kind of an all-conference talent, and really like a man in the middle of what they want to do, literally on defense. He's in the middle of the defensive line. The defensive line is the strength of their defense. Um, you got to be good on the defensive line and the offensive line to be good in the league. They think they'll be better on the offensive line. They knew they were going to be good in the defensive line, and you, you just can't say that now. So your quarterback is always the number one thing, obviously, in college football. But their attrition and, and again, the combination of quantity and quality of players that they've lost in the offseason is pretty hard to ignore right now. So how do they go about finding that NIL money to help them figure out how to keep these guys on campus because that seems to be a lot of the problem or what Neil Brown said that, you know, we've got to be able to compete and, and keep these guys here, but they just don't have the, they don't have the means right now. They, they do. And they don't, um, I would say this in his defense that I think it was admirable what he did yesterday. He popped up out of nowhere and had a news conference to explain what was going on. And he's taking some heat here because there've been so many players who have left against starters and contributors and, and multiple year players. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, it's college football. It's 2022. You, you just deal with it and move on. And yesterday it was obviously different. He treated it different. That was fine. But to be frank, I'm not sure anybody's opening up a Brinks truck for a key Mesador. Um, it's a good player, but it, it's not somebody that you're throwing six or seven figures at. Um, I'm not sure where he ends up. Are, are businesses and players there going, or businesses and fans going to be flocking to him for endorsement deals and to buy his jerseys? So I think that's a convenient excuse in 2022 for NIL is that, oh, they're just leaving for NIL opportunities. Okay, I guess. Is that the reality? We'll see in time. But it is something that they're going to have to have a better anchor for. They were a little bit behind. They They had maybe some miscommunication. They had players who tripped a lot last year about how they weren't getting help from the school and the school was saying, we're not allowed to help. And that's not true. The school is not allowed to pay. They can certainly facilitate. Um, so there was maybe, maybe some confusion, maybe just a short runway to the beginning of the NIL era last year before the regular season. Um, but they do have one of those trusts. Now there's, there's dozens of these everywhere that has this third party that's you know supporting and has a lot of money in, in a bank account and for, you know, for outside sources, donors, businesses, and, and hey, come to us, come to this country roads trust that they call it, and you know, do some podcasts or do some endorsements or you know, something with a media entity. And then you know, a podcast, it could be a video thing, it could be a Q&A with fans, it could be you know, cars and, and swag and apparel and things like that, and you get some money for it. But you know, the glove in the hand can really only be so close. And I think while the, the football team and the athletic department in general wants that to be successful there has to be some separation there and i think they're still trying to figure out how to do that dance they want to circle each other and they want to make it work but um, there's also really powerful people behind it too oliver luck ken kendrick those are two big time names in, in pro baseball and college athletics and they're the two behind it so you think they can make it happen but it's still so early that 
you know, the, the results haven't quite been there yet where they can go out to recruits and say, hey, we have this, this trust, we have this thing for the NIL. Here's how it works. They just don't have that yet. It's going to take some time to you know, produce some bookkeeping and some results that they can show current and prospective players to you know, recruit and retain them. And that's, that's always a challenge at a place like West Virginia. you got to recruit, you got to retain. Mike, Mike at, the, at the core, is it NIL or is there something else that uh, is, is an underlining factor to uh, some of these kids that are, that are uh, getting out of the program and moving on? They just don't have star players that would get plucked for NIL purposes. I don't think a lot of these like handlers or, or runners or whatever you want to call them would come to West Virginia and say, hey, you're not getting the NIL deals that you should be getting. Come here because they just don't have all-conference, all-American caliber players. I and mean, Akeem Mesidor was one, but that's a nose guard on a defensive line for a Big 12 team that went 6-7. and seven. I just I have a hard time thinking that that's a guy that had people just knocking on his door and he couldn't say no any longer. Is that part of it? Sure. Do kids make bad decisions? Absolutely. And are there bad actors out there who facilitate bad decisions for kids this day and age? Of course, could happen. But I think part of it is that they, they maybe the safeguards around a program don't exist, and and maybe there isn't enough. There isn't enough of a of a conversation that goes on all the time, or maybe there isn't enough trust on both sides of that conversation where a school like West Virginia can sit down and say, "Listen, this is not going to happen for you there," and they listen to you because they don't, um, and they can also say, "Hey, you can stay here and make some money." And again, they just don't have the the results and the bookkeeping to prove that. So it's going to take time for them to enact a plan and make it work. But another part of this, and Brown said this, and it was very interesting. He didn't take questions, and he said he would on Saturday about this, but. He said that you know he hadn't slept and he's thought a lot about this and he's wondered, you know, hey, am I doing everything right in my program? And he's saying that he's more committed and more confident than ever that how he runs his program is the way it should be. Does that, that makes me think that makes me think that he wonders about that and that has come up that people are saying I don't like the mood or the atmosphere or the way things are here and I'm leaving because of this and and he's just not going to change that because he thinks they're wrong and and he's right. I think that's an interesting point he raised and he may have to address. It, with that, considering that and everything that's going on, does that buy him more time or does that put more pressure and put him on the hot seat this season? Well, again, the challenges of the schools are unique, and West Virginia is certainly one of them. And if this is the way it's going to be, and if you're just going to shrug your shoulders and say, this is NIL, it's a transfer portal, it's immediate eligibility, this is the way it's going to be. And you're going to get players who come in for two or three years at most and help you out for a little bit before they go somewhere else. Okay, that's the way it's going to be you better be able to do something about it. And if you're not the person for that job, if you just continually produce players for a shorter shelf life and lose them to somewhere else, if you can't retain the players that you recruit and develop, you're not the man for the job, right? So that's a challenge that he has right now is that, okay, this is going to happen to me here at West Virginia. I'm going to get players and develop them, and I'm going to lose some of them, but I have to be better about that. I have to find a way to keep them on campus and, for lack of a better phrase, keep my job. And, and that's kind of a new and perhaps a uh, higher item on the job agenda list here for him too, is that that's a trait that maybe you never thought about when you sat down and you were hired for this job in 2019. Well, here it is. And you're constantly evolving and adapting. And I would imagine there's no greater goal for him or the administration right now than to fix this and to figure out, okay, how do we keep this from happening to us again and again and again, which is a skill he's going to have to certainly sharpen and use. We were <laughs> we intended to talk X's and O's, but I got to tell you, this is a fascinating conversation. What, uh, just a final thought on it: uh, the fact that they're in the Big Twelve, the fact that they have to head west to play their games, has, is, does that factor into this at all? 
Yeah, I mean, if if you're trying to get some sort of a profile and you're a kid from South Florida or, or Western Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, um, does, it, does it matter what you're doing in Central Texas, West Texas, Iowa? No. But the other part about it is, too, is that if you play your cards right, you're on TV 12, 13 times a year. You're on national television. Um, there's a pretty fervent fan base here and a media that's that's generally around all the time to to kind of take interviews and, and to really present these people, too. So I think it's a convenient excuse for them competitively, and not an excuse, convenient explanation for them competitively. It does add up. And honestly, they're 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 playing in a conference where the the bedrock states for recruiting are better than West Virginia, right? So that's that makes it difficult. And they're only going to get so many players from Florida, and they're only going to get the uh, uh, a certain caliber of players from Florida and Pennsylvania and Ohio. So that that does hurt. Um, it's it just it's just right now that they haven't been very good, and they have not had the quarterback play at the level it should have been, and they haven't been able to line up a really good offense with a really good defense in quite some time. And they've had a good defense the past couple of years. They were hamstrung at quarterback, and then I just think it it's hard to talk people into staying when they're thinking about leaving when it's just not fun. If you're not winning games and not bowl games and you're not scoring a lot of points and you're constantly grinding out like 24 to 17 wins or you're losing games like that, that's not what you see on TV and that's not what you sign up to play for. And I think that that, that is something that is really hard to talk kids out of. Um, because, again, they haven't been able to prove with results that it's going to be different. We're going to score 38 points a game. We're only going to give up seven or something like that. It's easy to say. It's hard to believe. So how is that translating on the field with Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator, kept uh, coming in, but still not knowing who the quarterback might be for this offense? Is this offense starting to come together at all in the spring? Hard to say. We haven't really seen a whole lot of practice. They, they like a lot of people, keep the doors closed and, and keep the <laughs> snipers and the moats fully active so you can't get too close to how things are going there. <laughs> but I will say this. Prior to yesterday, like it was, the story was, hey, they – Offense was broken, and Brown said that they were in a crisis after the bowl game. And he went out and he addressed, it and he hired Graham Harrell, who is just there's not a fit here. There's no affiliation between him and the program or the assistant coaches, really. Um, but if you're trying to get the offense right, it begins at the quarterback spot. If you're trying to get the quarterback spot, you need a coordinator who knows the position. Here's here's a Heisman Trophy finalist who was a backup to Aaron Rodgers that won a Super Bowl team. He's zoomed up the ladder in a pretty brief time as a division one assistant coach and coordinator. And he knows her quarterback position. So he's got three that he can keep an eye on here. Um, uh, two or three really talented recruits. And then there's, there's a legitimate chance they're going to end up getting JT Daniels and they're going to have him on campus and that would fix things. So again, if you wall things off before yesterday, from the bowl game until yesterday, everything was optimistic. They had three quality options at quarterback. They had returning offensive talent at receiver. They recruited and, and hit the portal pretty well when it came to the running back position. Their offensive line should be good. You put someone back there who earns the right to be the quarterback and things should be good on offense because, hey, defense is going to be good. Everything before that is true about the quarterback and the offense and Graham Harrell especially and, and how his hiring changed the move, which had to happen. But now you just kind of revert a little bit and say, oh, man, if the offense might be better for the defense, it's going to be as good. Now can the offense be that much better to make up for the defense that, again, just, just Google this, the amount of starters they've lost in that defense is, is alarming and how is it going to be as good as it was when it had to be very good to carry an offense around the field. And now you just wonder that sliding scale – how much better can the offense be in relation to how much defense is lost and, and probably won't be as good, you know, which is to be expected. So story always changes, but that's, that's kind of a, a fluid thing here right now is that if Harold 
had to be good before. He's got to be really good now. Were there any big takeaways or people who stood out from the recent pro day? Uh, Levy Brown, I think, in, in they only had six players. <laughs> so that's another thing, too. Like, pro days are, are – that's pretty much indicative of, of the talent you have coming out of your program. When you have six players, uh, one's a kicker, one's a punter, nothing against specialists out there, but you're talking, you know, three defensive backs and one running back. That's it. And those are those are places you should be good and have pro talent. And they just don't have a lot of that. Going into the NFL, I think there's some hope for players they have. But Brown is a guy who who had a four seven forty in the combine, and it got adjusted to four six. And none of his his you know his next gen his spark testing was so impressive. He said, "Yeah, this guy's a guy I got to have in my team." He was pretty much reverted to like undrafted priority free agent stuff, and that's probably what his fate is going to be here. But he's, his attitude about it is such that he he really believes that his his film stats and his track record you know that should be enough and if you look at his productivity for the past couple of years you might say you know what he's got something there he's been a good receiver um, he's been durable he's he's kind of run the ball hard and he's run behind miserable offensive lines so a lot of the stuff you might hold against him eh, he's not a decisive runner he doesn't make people miss and there's more contact than elusivity on and on and on these negatives you might find about him a lot of that is the product of being behind that offensive line put him behind pros what can happen so that'll be interesting i think he understands that he chose not to run the 40 again he's going to stick with the 464 which is not good um and he's not so big that you can tolerate that type of number i think but he's also never been like a 438 guy um he kind of is what he is and i think he understands that he'll be a late round guy if he's drafted at all He'll have to make a roster, but he's going to do it based on, you know, he's going to run hard, he's going to catch passes, and he can play special teams. And, and he seems to know and have accepted that. So I think the fact that, again, he wasn't physically outstanding, but he was able to explain it and, and understand it all and, and make it seem like that he's okay with it. If he could do that, that with us in the interview process, I'm sure he's done that with teams. So that's probably a good sign for him. Mike, sounds like there's plenty of content. Uh, so what do, you got, uh, what do you got going today on, uh, on uh, 247 Sports? Got to figure out the middle of the defensive line. That's for sure. Um, they just they just don't have a guy like the one they lost, and they do have players and options there. But how much does it change it? Because again, they're they're so young in the secondary and so new in the secondary that you want to be good in the defensive line. So what do they do? They have some parts. There are some plans for sure. Uh, I think quarterback will probably get mentioned a couple times, especially now that Daniels has definitely confirmed a visit date there too. And then just what do you do here? I mean, it's it's. In crisis, sounds like a thing that is probably too convenient. I just use the word to start describing something else. But you have a fan base now that is is really not engaged and, and not enchanted. And, and how do you get them to engage and to not grow disenchanted? Because um, you know you want to have those NIL opportunities. You want to sell licensed jerseys. You like to have sold out stadiums and high TV ratings and all that stuff that does appeal to players. And people don't trust the team to be intact for like more than a year or two. It's happening with basketball too. They're 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 hemorrhaging players in the basketball roster here. What does an athletic department do? How do you tell fans it's going to be all right? We got a plan. I've been doing it. Okay, but what do you do? So I think that's something that you really kind of have to poke and probe and figure out what the questions are. Never mind what the answers are. Mike, thanks, man. We appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for the insight and uh, best of luck. We we appreciate your time today. Anytime. Thank you for inviting me. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Mike Casaza from uh, West Virginia's Two Four Seven Sports.